everyone. Um, the first reading is from John chapter 14, verses 15 to 26. And you'll be happy to know it's not on page 11,081. It's 1,081. If you love me, keep my commands. I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you with and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These sent me. All of this I have spoken while still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. The next reading starts in verse, uh, chapter 16, verse 5. But now I am going to him who sent me. None of you asked me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can actually bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Good morning. I'm Colin, one of the pastors here. Welcome to you. Good to have you with us. It's a bit wobbly. There we go. Okay, we're steady. Um, have you ever been in one of those situations where 
perhaps you're at a wedding or something. I was at a wedding yesterday, or maybe even after church, where you've just been chatting with someone for a while, um, and then someone else comes to join in the conversation in such a way that you really ought uh, to introduce your new acquaintance to them. And it suddenly becomes painfully obvious that you've not been paying attention. And you've not, you can't quite remember what their name was. Was it, was it Simon or was it Peter? And, and you can't remember what they did for a living. Was he an, an engineer? Was he a rocket scientist or a brain surgeon? And you end up saying, oh, oh, this is a spy manita. He's um, a rocket surgeon. <laughs> well, what if someone asked you to introduce them to the Holy Spirit? What would you say? Would you know what to, how to introduce him? I think most of us are a bit, a bit unsure. Uh, I mean, what do you even call him? Now, I admit it, we've all struggled with um, Harry and Lewis and Nathan and Ethan. You see them after church, say hello. And what do you call them? Do you know which one's which? Um, my top tip, go for, um, just say, Larry, Hewis, or Nathan. And you, you get somewhere in the right. Is that right? That's what Joanne advised me to call there. Uh, my top tip, Nathan's fringe is nearer his eyebrows. Am I right? Unless you've had your hair cut recently. Good. That's you know what to call them. Do you, but do you even know what to call the Holy Spirit? I mean, is he a, a nit? Or is it a he? Or um, maybe even a, a she, if you've seen The Shack on Netflix, which I don't recommend, but that's what there's one. <laughs> What do we call the Holy Spirit? Well, we've... Um, sorry, let me just bring this up. Uh, we're spending four weeks uh, in this series, Love and Power, looking at the Holy Spirit. And so I hope by the end we'll be more sure-footed in, in what we know about him. Uh, and there's your first answer. I've gone with him. The Holy Spirit is a he. Um, Jesus calls him a he. Um, and let me give you this list of stuff the Holy Spirit does, and, tell, and you can think, does this sound like an impersonal force, or does it sound like a person? So the Holy Spirit teaches, reminds, speaks, makes decisions, can be grieved, outraged, lied to, forbid things, searches, comprehends, gives gifts, helps, witnesses, and declares. That doesn't sound like an impersonal force, does it? There, we're not out of the introduction yet, and we already know something. We've solved that one. He is a he. The Holy Spirit is a person. And we can't cover everything that the Bible's got to say about the Holy Spirit in four weeks, but we'll, we'll try and hit the major notes. And I thought the best place to start would be with the one who knows him the most about him, with Jesus. So we've, we've identified our sort of not-too-sure-what-to-say problem. As we, and as we dive into John 14... The context is that the disciples have got a problem. See, just earlier in chapter 14, Philip's been asking Jesus to show them the Father. And Jesus has replied, no problem. If you know me, you know the Father. Because Jesus perfectly represents the Father, speaking his words. But the trouble is, Jesus has also just told them that he's going away. That he's going back to the Father. So how will they know Jesus and know God the Father when Jesus is no longer physically present with them. So that's the question hanging in the air. And we'll just press pause for a moment on John's gospel and, and bring us up to speed on the story of the Holy Spirit so far in the Bible. 
uh, to understand the impact of, of what Jesus is saying here. So that's our first point. There's an outline there. Um, I've got five very, four very short points of application at the end, which I've not left your room in the outline for. You could write them on the tear-off slip, if you like. I'm just warning that's coming in case that kind of thing annoys you. So first point, an old friend. So the Holy Spirit is not uh, new to the New Testament. It's not an invention for the New Testament. It's been active in creation. So at the very beginning of Genesis, it's hovering over the waters. Um, He's with the Exodus people in the wilderness, hovering like an eagle. Um, He's attributed to working in people, such as uh, Joseph and Daniel, um, to make them top blokes. Um, He inspired the, the, the designers of the tabernacle tent in the wilderness. Lots of different activities. And we could spend four weeks just looking at the work of the Holy Spirit in the, in the Old Testament. But the Old Testament does look forward to a new age. A new age where the Spirit will be experienced more fully. And this is somehow related to the promised Messiah. So, for example, the, um, the prophet Isaiah looked forward to a spirit king whose kingly character would be the work of the Spirit. So Isaiah 11.2, uh, someone with the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and of fear of the Lord. So a spirit king. Isaiah also looked forward to a spirit servant, saying, I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. So like the spirit king, the servant of the Lord will bring justice to the nations. Like the Spirit King, he will um, he comes under the power and influence of the Spirit of God. But unlike the King, his ministry is going to require suffering, personal rejection, and sorrow. So a Spirit King, Spirit Servant, and Isaiah speaks of a Spirit Prophet who will say, "The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me." To proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. To proclaim freedom for the captives. And release from darkness for the prisoners. So it's a spirit um, king, servant and prophet. And the Old Testament prophets also look forward to God's people being filled with the Holy Spirit. In a way they hadn't before. And you find that in Deuteronomy and in Joel and in Ezekiel. I'll give you this one. He said, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So fast forward to Jesus then. All that expectation is hanging in the air. God's people are waiting for someone to bring in this new age with a righteous king, prophet of good news, and a sacrificial servant. All things Jesus fulfills. But what of a spirit people, though? All inspired by God, given new hearts, washed clean, forgiven, moved by God to obey him and to walk in his ways. How will that promise be fulfilled? That is what Jesus tells his disciples in our first passage. So if you have your Bibles open there in chapter 14, verse 16 for starters. 
And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Jesus is talking to the disciples here, but back in chapter 7, John, uh, the author of this gospel, shows us that the Spirit is not just for the disciples. Um, He's explaining something Jesus has said, and he comments that Jesus was referring to the Spirit, whom those believed, um, sorry, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. So the receiving of the Spirit is for all believers, not just for the disciples. Just clear that up. So if you think of um, the Spirit's work up to this point as like an engagement. So Michael and Grace were, until yesterday, only engaged. Now the relationship was real, uh, and being engaged made a a big difference to their lives. But now they're married, spending all of life together. Things are at a whole new level. The same Holy Spirit who was there at creation, active in God's history and the history of God's people, the same Spirit who lived in Jesus has come to live with you and be in you. And if you're not a believer here today, I just want to point out how unique this claim is to Christianity. There's lots unique about Christianity. Christianity alone claims that salvation comes in a real historical person through events played out publicly in verified recorded history. And Christianity alone is not about doing something to get us to God, but about what has been done for us. And we like to tell ourselves a sort of Wizard of Oz story, I reckon, I hope you're familiar with the Wizard of Oz. We like to tell ourselves this story that even if we go on a quest to get an external answer to our problems, actually what we'll really find is that the answer was always within ourselves. But that idea sort of fails to account for well, all of human history, doesn't it? It fails to account for all the bad stuff that we find within ourselves as well. And so we do search for external resources to internalize philosophies, attitudes, uh, love for for another person, and to try and fix and complete what we intuitively know is lacking. A part of what has been done for Christians in God, giving giving us his spirit, part of what has been done for us is Christians, as Christians, is God given us his spirit so that we're not left guessing if all this is true. And it's not down to us to sort of squeeze out enough effort to make it work, which is basically the only other option you have left. So that's our first point. Uh, our second point, who he is. Excuse me. Who he is. Uh, Who is the Holy Spirit? What does Jesus reveal about him here? Well, going through these passages, the Father, I don't know if you noticed, the Father and the Son and the Spirit, uh, uh, they're they're distinct from each other, aren't they? But there's 
there also seems to be some blurriness. So Jesus said he himself is going away. But verse 16 of chapter 14, he will ask the father for another advocate. And we'll look at what that means later. But in other words, the spirit um, is going to come instead of Jesus, in Jesus' place. So we can't say that the spirit and Jesus are the same person in God. Yet verse 18, Jesus says, I will come to you. And verse 19, you will see me. And from the context of him talking about not leaving the disciples of orphans, it doesn't, seems he's not talking about his resurrection or his second coming. He's talking about the bit in between. And then verse 23, Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. So what's going on? Well, the spirit of truth is the means by which the Father and the Son will be present with the disciples, are present with us. How do we, how do we unravel this sort of blurriness and distinctiveness? Well, I think the most helpful thing to do is look at Jesus' life and mission, and then it makes more sense. Because it shows us that although the Father and the Son and the Spirit are distinct persons, they are, they're all involved together. So, uh, we've already seen Jesus was the clearest revelation of the Father. He said earlier in chapter um, 14, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. I'm in the Father, and the Father is in me. The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, rather it's the Father living in me who is doing his work. So to know Jesus is to know the Father. And then everything Jesus did, was and he did on earth came from the Father through the Spirit. So Jesus was a man of the Spirit from womb to tomb and beyond. But there was never a moment uh, when Jesus wasn't a man of the Spirit because the Holy Spirit conceived him and his whole life involves the Spirit. So I'll just rattle through some examples. Um, the Spirit anoints him at his baptism. The Spirit sends him to be tempted in the wilderness and he returns from the wilderness um, in the power of the Spirit. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Um, in the book of Hebrews, we read that Jesus offered himself to God through the eternal Spirit. And 1 Peter 3, 18 tells us the Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. I've got a diagram. Now, like a health warning. If anyone ever shows you a diagram about the Holy Trinity, about the Trinity, it's missing something. Okay? It never quite captures everything. It can, you know, so don't rely on them, but they can be helpful. So here we go. Here's a diagram. It's from... This book, and I've got one, two, three, four copies. If you want to borrow one, take one. Um, like The Sun by Andrew Moody. Really helpful, accessible book on the doctrine of the Holy Trinity. The Trinity, okay? Because I accept it's difficult stuff to get your head around, but there's lots in the Bible, and that's really helpful. So I've pinched his diagram. Okay. Uh, so if you think of a movie film in a projector... Okay, so the film contains the story, but we can only see that story when a powerful bulb in the projector sends out rays of light to make the story visible. So if you think of Jesus' life as the role of film and the Father as the bulb that generates the light and the Spirit as the rays of light, 
it ends up so that when we look at Jesus and see the story of his life, we're also seeing the Father and the Spirit. Likewise, as the Spirit lives in us, we're experiencing the Father and the Son being with us. The Spirit is the one who gives life to Jesus, both as a baby and at his resurrection. Uh, The Spirit is the one who goes between the Father and and Christ, conceiving Jesus as the Son of God and enabling his constant communication with the Father. And the Spirit is the dynamic power who brings the story of Jesus to its fulfillment. But the Spirit doesn't stop there. He goes on from giving Jesus new life to give us that new life. Which brings us to our third heading, what he does. Uh, Jesus describes the Holy Spirit, verse 16, as another advocate. Okay, I'm always wary of doing this, but here's a Greek word. Um, Parakletos is the word there that's translated advocate. If you've got another translation, you might have helper in there. So it's related to a verb which means encourage. And it's got the sense of someone who draws alongside you, a helper. And it can also refer to legal advisors, a a counsellor, or as we have here in the NIV, advocate. So which one's right? Well, I think all of the above. All of those words describe the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, But staying with the legal idea first of all, the Spirit, I've got three subheadings there. The Spirit acts in our defence. So notice Jesus um, said, another advocate, as in another of the same type as me. So in other words, the Holy Spirit kind of subs in for Jesus. But there's more than that. Jesus tells us that we're better off with the Holy Spirit. So in our second passage, chapter 16, if you go to there now, verse 7 But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So just imagine being one of Jesus' disciples, uh, being told this. You've had Jesus right there with you nearly all the time for about three years. Any worries, any deep theological questions you've had, um, any wisdom you needed, he was right there. And now he's saying you're going to be better off without him. You'd be like, no way, I'll, I'll take my chances with you, Jesus. Please stick around. And aren't you a bit jealous of the disciples? I mean, they got to hang out with Jesus in person. Wouldn't you love to do that? And yet Jesus says, we're better off with the Spirit. Why? Well, because through him, he can be with us and in us all the time, forever, whatever is going on. And in our passages, we've got some of the things that the Spirit does that Jesus did when he was on earth. So verse 15, verse 16, he helps us. Verse 18, he stays with us. 26, he teaches us all things and reminds us of everything Jesus has said. 
And then flipping over to 1613, he guides us into truth and he will tell the disciples what is yet to come. What we now, and that's what we now have as the New Testament. So the spirit is with us and in us to help us forever. That's the promise. This is who you came, who came to you the day that you first believed. And he hasn't left you since. And he never will. He's your defense. But how did you ever even come to believe? Well, the Holy Spirit also acts as your prosecution. A prosecute, like a prosecution, witness to the prosecution. He convicts us of our sin to bring us to Christ. So John 16, verse 8 to 11. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. So in other words, whilst we are too blind to see it, in the midst of our prideful rebellion against God, the Holy Spirit is humanity's prosecutor. Working in heart after heart, the verdict, I was wrong, I am guilty, I need forgiveness. And finally, the Holy Spirit's primary role is as a witness. You know, in a way, it's not surprising that we can feel a bit woolly, um, feel less sure that we know the Spirit than we do the Father or the Son. In fact, it might even be a good thing. Because the Holy Spirit's primary role is to bear witness to Jesus. So, uh, chapter, it wasn't in our reading, just to keep things short, but chapter 5, John 15, verse 26. When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father... He will testify about me. And then further on, uh, John 16, 13 to 15. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me that he will make known to you, what he will make known to you. So the Holy Spirit is only interested in Jesus' agenda, in passing on what Jesus gives to him. Jesus, who in turn received from the Father all that belongs to the Father. And so we have the privilege of being caught up in this beautiful other person-centered relationship that God exists in. So to go back to our projector analogy, it's as if the rays of light, the spirit that come from the Father, the light source, and shine through Jesus, are now using us as a screen so that when we begin to know, so that we begin to know and look like Jesus, shining his light into our dead, dark lives. 
you can add to that picture uh, a lens as well, which um, sharpens that image of Jesus, and that lens is the Bible, sharpens the image of Jesus in us. So the Spirit's message is never, look at me, listen to me, get to know me, but always look at the Jesus of Scripture and see his glory. Listen to him and taste God's gracious gift of everlasting joy and peace. Um, has anyone heard of, anyone been on an Alpha course? Anyone heard of Alpha? So it's an evangelistic course. It's, on the whole, it's a good course. But a controversial thing is about it is they have a, planned into it is a weekend away called the Holy Spirit Weekend Away, where you have a Holy Spirit weekend. I reckon if the Holy Spirit were running an Alpha course, he wouldn't do the Holy Spirit Weekend Away. Because he'd rather us be talking about Jesus and glorifying him. If someone were looking for a church that's big on the Holy Spirit, well, the real test of that is the extent to which that church is on about Jesus. And just a final point about the witness of the Spirit. We're in a privileged point of history where the Spirit of truth has had that truth about Jesus and the reminders of the things he said and what is yet to come written down for us in the scriptures in the New Testament. So we can pick up that witness anytime we want and expect the Spirit to speak to us through them. To finish then, just uh, how many have I got? Four points of application, briefly. What do we do with this information? Because the, the danger of a series like this is we can come away with lots of information about the Holy Spirit, but what difference is that to make in our lives? Well, we can be sure-footed, first thing. The Holy Spirit is He. He is fully God, one of the three persons of the Trinity. But if you are a bit fuzzy about him, he's probably pleased, so long as it's because you're focused on Jesus instead, because that is who he is on about. Um, second point application, should we pray to the Spirit? Well, it's not, it's not wrong. He is God. But Jesus, the man who did everything through the Spirit, told us to pray to the Father. And when we do that, it bears witness to what Jesus has done, which has made it possible for us to call God Father. And that's what the Spirit is all about, bearing witness to Jesus. So let's follow Jesus' instructions normally. Pray to the Father. Uh, third point, be encouraged. You can't say this too much. If, the belie- if you are a believer, if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit is in you. And Jesus says you're better off with the Holy Spirit in you than if Jesus were here with you in person physically. So trust him to help you. Take comfort from him. You have him with you on your side. You're never, ever alone. Be encouraged. And finally, keep reading his witness in the Bible. Trusting in him to illuminate and and bring home those words to you in life-giving and life-changing ways. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, 
Thank you that we're not alone. Thank you for your life-giving spirit um, that we received because of Jesus. Thank you that he, he went away so that we could receive your Holy Spirit, the helper. Uh, please help us as we um, go through this series. Help us to um, understand and, and know your spirit better. And please take us, by your spirit, take us deeper into the truths about Jesus in our love of him. Amen. Uh, please stand as we respond in song, asking God to be at work in us uh, through his spirit. sweeping through us revive your church with life and power oh breath of life come cleanse renew us and fit your church to meet this hour oh breath of love come breathe within renewing thought and will and hearts Come, love of Christ, afresh to win. Revive your church in every part. O wind of God, come bend us, break us, till humbly we confess our need. Then in your tenderness remake us, Revive, restore, for this we plead. O breath of love, come breathe within. Renewing thought and will and heart. Come, love of Christ, a fresh to win. Revive your church in every part. Revive us, Lord, is zeal abating, while harvest fields are vast and ripe. Revive us, Lord, the world is waiting. Equip your church to spread the light. O breath of love, come breathe within, renewing thought and will and Come, love of Christ, afresh to win. Revive your church in every part. O breath of love, come bring within. Renewing thought and will and heart. Come, love of Christ, afresh to win. 
Revive your church in every part. Please be seated and Sharon's going to come to lead us in prayer. Good morning. Okay, before I begin our time of prayer together... Um, I'd just like to share a little of how the Holy Spirit has been at work in me. So, a few months before I became a follower of Jesus, I remember asking God to show me if he was actually there. I didn't realize he was going to show me who I actually was too. So, at the age of 19, through the prayers of a faithful friend, the boldness of a French student on a bus... And a Bible that I had found discarded in a disused garage when I was only 11. The Holy Spirit showed me the truth about Jesus and the truth about my sin. That the God who made the entire universe and everything in it, including me, had chosen to die a horrible death so that my sins, of which there are many, could be forgiven. So today, through the prayers of his people... And the many Bibles I have bought, the Holy Spirit continues to show me more and more how amazing and faithful God is. He also uses the words of the Bible to correct my sinful ways and reminds me of how safe and loved I am. So I just thought I'd share that with you. Okay. Father, Thank you so much that you have sent Jesus to die for us so that he can personally send the Holy Spirit to show us all things as they truly are. If you are a follower of Jesus here today, just take a moment to personally thank God for what he has done for you. If you are not a follower of Jesus and would like to know more about him, take this opportunity to ask God to show you the truth about who he is. Thank you, Father, for the Bible. Help us to read it, understand it, and apply it. Remind us of the verses we have read, especially when we are in distress or talking to those who don't know you. We bring Bible translators throughout the world before you, and we ask that you help them express your truth well. We especially thank you for Shana, and we pray that you will help her have patience and peace as she waits to go to Spain. We ask that you will be sending your spirit to those you are calling in the area that Shana will be working in. Please prepare their hearts and give Shana the privilege of bringing the good news of Jesus to them. Father, please give each of us the opportunity and courage to share you with one person this week. Think of people or situations that cause you the most worry. Father, you have heard the many situations that cause us to worry or even be afraid. We bring them all before you, along with those we know that are suffering. We ask you to help them and to give us and them your peace that passes all understanding. Help us to ask you each day for your peace. 
Father, we all struggle with sin and we each bring before you the area in our lives that you are working on. Please show us gently our sin before you. Help us to truly turn away from it and remind us of verses that will help us to know of your forgiveness and love. Show us the verses we need to help us be more like you in this area. If appropriate, help us to confess our sin to someone we trust who will help us to stay accountable. Finally, Father, we ask that you will help us as a church to be filled with your Holy Spirit, holding on to the good news of Jesus Christ, crucified, resurrected, and seated in his rightful place. We ask all of these things in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Let's uh, all join together in the Lord's Prayer. (laughs) Together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. And we're going to finish our time together singing uh, about the power of Christ and uh, asking that uh, all that he does would be shaping our mind and our attitudes and everything uh, that we are.